Good morning, New Life Church. Wonderful singing this morning. Really profound truths there that we were able to sing together. How wonderful, how marvelous is His love for me. I hope you believe that this morning. I hope it's not just words that came off your lips, but words that came out of your hearts as well. You know, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, he said, my whole theology can be summed up in four words. Jesus died for me. How wonderful and how marvelous is his love for me. I hope you believe that this morning. Well, this morning is a special day as we have three babies that are here to be dedicated by their parents. The ceremony will take place shortly after the sermon But I want to lay a platform for you from the scriptures to help you understand the significance of what will be happening in a in a short while. David wrote in Psalm sixteen, verse two, Every good thing I have comes from you. And our children are a precious gift from God. And as parents we we love them beyond imagination, but ultimately we must surrender them. To the Lord, because they are a gift from the Lord. They are not ours to keep, they're not ours to control, they're not ours to idolize. Um, They are ours to love, train, and surrender to God to use for His his glory. There are many biblical examples of this in the scriptures. Um, There is a classic example of Hannah bringing her son to Samuel. Uh, This was the son that she had prayed for. And she presented him to God and handed young Samuel over to Eli the priest for, for training. We see that in 1 Samuel. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, the scriptures say, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the, the Lord. Of course, the Example of Mary and Joseph is also there where they brought the infant Jesus to, to the temple following his circumcision after eight days. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord in Luke chapter 2. But the example of a parent surrendering his child to God that I want to use today, that I want to read about, is that of Abraham offering Isaac on Mount Moriah in Genesis chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn there with me in Genesis chapter 22, and let's see what the Lord would say to us this morning about surrendering our children to God. Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. 
And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took on his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, try and imagine this. Try and imagine this. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Lord, this morning we are reminded of so many themes here in this passage. Firstly, Lord, of your love for us. Thank you that you are our heavenly Father that loves us even more than our own Father does. We are reminded, Lord, of your sacrifice for us in sending the ultimate sacrifice who would not escape the altar but would allow the, the spear to be put into his side, allow the nails to be nailed into his feet and his hands and allow himself to be given as a sacrifice for us. Thank you this morning for Jesus, our redemption. Thank you this morning for giving us this way where we may have, where we may be reconciled to you. Thank you for sending Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. This morning we pray, Lord, that as we see this picture presented for us in the scriptures, Lord, that we would understand of your great love for us. Help us to understand, Lord, the responsibility we have as parents, Lord, not to idolize our own children, but to train them up in the fear and the, the nurture of the Lord, that we would be willing to surrender them to you, to be used, Lord, for your purpose and not ours. We pray this morning that you would teach us, even those amongst us, Lord, who are not parents, those who want to be parents, those of us who are Still single, Lord, help us to understand the purpose you have for us in the story of redemption, Lord. And the purpose we have to be willing to be used by you for your kingdom. So teach us, Lord, what you have for us from the scriptures this morning. For the sake of your great name we ask and pray. Amen. In Genesis chapter 22, in verse 1, in the Hebrew language, is called the aqueda, the aqueda. 
Um, or the binding of Isaac. The binding of Isaac. And here we see Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son. And it has caused much discussion and commentary. Probably the biggest difficulty raised by this passage is the Lord's demand for a human being to be given as a burnt offering, which we see in verse 2. We know that the law of Moses, specifically in Leviticus chapter 18 and Leviticus chapter 20, forbids using children for a burnt offering, forbids using humans as a burnt offering. So then is God contradicting his own moral character here when he requires Abraham, the patriarch, to sacrifice his son? That's, That's the difficulty of this passage. But several points will help us see that this is not the case. First, God is the author of life, and he has every right to obligate Abraham to return his son to him. He has every right to obligate us to do that. And as hard as that may sound, in principle it is not unethical for the Lord to demand human sacrifice. Because he is the creator, and the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein belong to him. And as the source of all ethics, of all morals, the Almighty determines what types of killings are lawful and unlawful, which are acceptable and unacceptable. And in line with this point, God did actually require His people to sacrifice their firstborn sons. However, the Israelites did not kill their children in making this offering. Instead, God took a Levite for temple service or a payment of five shekels as a substitute for the child. We see that in Numbers chapter 3. And the principle of substitution is taught throughout the Old Testament, and especially here in Genesis chapter 22. But we also see Abraham's test is theologically and historically extraordinary, because he was called to sacrifice the heir on whom the blessings to the world itself depended. And no other son occupied such a vital role, of course with the exception of Jesus himself. And so believers know that this circumstance was unique in God's plan of redemption. But we also see in Genesis 22, we learn that the Lord always planned to prevent Abraham from taking Isaac's life. God knew he would stop Abraham's knife and reinforcing the principle of substitutionary sacrifice, which reveals God's mercy and grace, which we see in verse 1 and 2 and as well as in verse 12. But the point I'm trying to make is that this test of faith that God put Abraham through was not an easy one. It was a hard and painful test for Abraham. We see in verse 2 that Abraham loved Isaac. It says in verse 2, God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. Remember, Isaac had been a miracle baby. He was born when Sarah was 90 years old, and Abraham was 100 years of age. That was a miracle in and of itself, even the conception. Try to put yourself in Abraham's place. It must have been undeniably painful for Abraham to strap 
his dear son on an altar, on a stack of, of wood, and even raise a knife to slash open the boy's chest and throat, and then to plan the cremation of his son's body. That must have been a painful test. And I don't know if I could have done that. I'm not sure if any of you could say the same, even if the Lord was directly speaking to us. But in a very real sense, I know that this, this must be done. In a very real sense, I know I must do that with all, with all three of the precious children that the Lord has given to us. Now, the best thing Abraham could ever have done for Isaac was to tie him to that altar and to surrender him back to God. That was the best thing he could have ever have done as a parent. You know, if, if Abraham had refused to have done that, suppose he refused to give Isaac back to God as he was commanded to, he would have forfeited all of God's blessings and promises and plans for Isaac. Now, Isaac would have lived and died in obscurity. He would have died a, a nomad and a nobody. But because Abraham obeyed and gave Isaac back to God, Isaac received the fullness of God's blessings, the best plans and promises for his life. We know Isaac became a, a wealthy man, a successful man. Isaac became the forefather of God's own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Isaac's life is still having an impact on us today and blessing millions of people worldwide through his offspring, Jesus Christ, or because of his father's obedience. And so today, you and I need to learn from Abraham, and that's who we're going to be studying this morning. And if we refuse and fail to give our children back to God, we may very well be forfeiting God's best plans and best purposes for their lives. And sometimes we think our plans are better. And sometimes we think we know better than God. Let's learn from the scriptures this morning that we don't. God's plans are, be are better, even if we don't understand them. Even if we can't see them perfectly, God's plans are better. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And that's what happened here with Abraham. We trust our children back to God. We trust God that He knows better, even though we don't understand. And we will secure for them the covenant of God's best purpose and plan for the lives. So today I want to look at four factors. Four factors that involve our surrender of our children to God. Four factors. And the first point this morning is giving our child to God is a confirmation of our love for God. It is a confirmation of our love for God. This is exactly what Abraham proved by his willingness to offer Isaac. Now, he was demonstrating that his love and fear of God were supreme in all of his life above everything else. Abraham loved God above the most prized treasure of his life, his only son, Isaac. The first thing we need to do when we surrender our children to the Lord is acknowledge that we love God even more than you love your child. 
I hope your child is a prized possession. But don't allow that prized possession to take place of God. Don't allow it to become an idol. Remember, we looked at that a few weeks back. Anything that comes before God is an idol. It could be your wife. It could be your husband. It could be your children. Don't allow it to take the place of God. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus himself says in verse 37, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He's talking to his disciples here. Remember that. He's talking to believers. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now Jesus is not asking us to abandon our families. He's not asking us to abandon our love and our care for our families. That's not what he's saying here. What Jesus is calling us to do is to put the same care, the same energy, the same effort into your relationship with him. Because he knows how special and how prized our relationships are with our family. Jesus is teaching in this passage that we need to prioritize him. And he wants us to make him our first loyalty. And this is the mark of a Christian disciple. One who puts Jesus first. Christians should be known as good parents. Christians should be known as committed spouses. But above all, Christians should be known as people who are committed to Christ. And committed to Him above everything else. Secondly, we see surrendering our children to God is a clarification of ownership. It's a clarification of ownership. When we give our children back to God, we are publicly declaring that this child is a gift from God. And this child does not really belong to us. That this child belongs to God. We are clarifying ownership. You know, we have the privilege to love and train our children. But ultimately, this child does not belong to us. Our children belong to God. And this is exactly what was on Abraham's mind. This was what was on his mind as he lay Isaac on the altar. He was saying, Lord, this young man belongs to you. He is yours. I will do with him as you ask me. He was saying, you do with him as you please, Lord. He belongs to you. He trusted the character of God. Even though he didn't understand all of God's commands at that point, he trusted in the character of God. He knew that God knew better. Now, this little boy or girl does not really belong to us. They belong to God. They are precious They are a precious gift from God, but they are on loan to us. Psalm 127 verse 3 tells us, Children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. One commentator said, When in the providence of God, a man and his wife conceive a child, they kindle a soul that will live forever. That's a wonderful statement, is it not? When in the providence of God, a man and his wife conceive a child, they kindle a soul that will live forever. And thank God that that 
full responsibility is not even on our shoulders as parents. We have a responsibility to train him in the fear of the Lord. We have a responsibility to point him to the Lord in everything. But our children belong to the Lord. They are souls that will live forever. We have a responsibility, and it's a serious responsibility. And let's remember, God didn't authorize the government to to raise our children. God did not authorize daycare centers to, to raise our children. God didn't authorize even schools to raise our children. God authorized mommies and daddies to raise children. This is a serious responsibility. It is eternal responsibility. But thirdly, not only a confirmation, a clarification, but giving our children to God is a commitment. It's a commitment to raise your children God's way. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, We are to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Matthew Henry said it well. He said, The great thing which will either facilitate or hinder general compliance with the mind of God respecting family religion is what consideration men have of their families, whether they consider them as constituents for this world or for the world to come. How do you consider your children this morning? I mean, do you point them to the eternal or are you pointing them to the temporary, the things that are around us, the things that they really don't matter to God? And we are in this world, but we are not of this world. The things of this world tempt us to, to put our affections on temporary things. And we are to raise our children in the admonition of the, the Lord, pointing them to the Lord, reminding them that isn't a, there is an eternal home that awaits us, that we need to be ready for, and not neglecting their souls as we raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So what are we preparing our children for? And that's, that's an important question that we need to be asking ourselves as, as parents. And when we give our children to God, this ceremony that will happen, it is a commitment. It is a commitment that we will be godly parents. Of course, that means we will be right with God. How can we point our children to God when we ourselves don't know God? How can we tell our children about our glorious God when we don't know of His glories? Are we right with the Lord or are we just being hypocrites in the home? And who better to identify hypocrisy in the home than our children themselves? We need to teach our children about Christ. They need to be saved. They need to be saved. God calls every generation of Christians to see to it that the the next generation hears about His mighty acts. We read about that this morning. God does not drop a new truth from heaven on every generation. His intention is that the older generation will teach the newer generation to read and think and trust and obey and rejoice. There's nothing new Under the sun, the Bible says. 
We are teaching old truths. We have to remind our children. We have to remind our children, just like we have to be reminded about trusting and obeying. We need to expose our children to all the means of grace that God gives us, including corporate worship, including coming together as believers, encouraging each other. That's why the Lord has given us His local church. That's why we have the blessing of church membership. We need to expose our children to all these ministries and opportunities that God gives us to to show our children who Christ is. We need to be committed to loving our children, even if it means disciplining them. I know for some people that is hard to hear. But which parent will allow their children to play with the scissors in the, in the road? We need to love our children enough to warn them and to discipline them. That God loves us. and He doesn't want us to do certain things because He knows that will hurt us. He knows the consequences. Even if we forget them, He knows them. And we need to be committed to praying for our children. And I hope you do that, parents. I hope you pray for your children. I hope you don't neglect your children's souls. I hope you pray for them often. And train your child. Train your child in the, in the things of the Lord. Nothing wrong with our children being with us in church. Nothing wrong. Our chairs should be full of children's dangling feet. That's what church is all about. They need to be exposed to the the things of the Lord. Not just on Fridays, but every single day of the week. Are you reading scripture to them? Are you praying with them? We need to be committed for the sake of our children, even to our own marriages. Our marriage is an an example of what married life is to our children. It's a model which they will follow one day when they grow up and they get bigger. It's a model which they will try to emulate in their own adult lives. Are we presenting to them a model worth following? Are we committed to this? Our home needs to be a holy place where our children feel safe and secure, where they can grow up knowing that they are loved and knowing that God is their ultimate authority, which they will answer to one day. A home shouldn't be a place of worldliness, where we leave the things of God as we enter the door and where we enjoy the things of the world where nobody can see. I hope children don't see the hypocritical worldliness in our homes. We need to be families that are, that are living a righteous life. We need to be families that are committed to holiness. Now, this baby dedication is really a parent dedication. It's parents dedicating themselves to raise their children in a holy lifestyle, to pursue holiness so that their children can can see Christ at the earliest age that they will embrace Christ. The ceremony which we will observe in a few minutes, it's not a, it's not a magical formula, it's not a magical ceremony. And, and the ceremony means nothing if we are not sincerely committing ourselves to raise these children God's way. 
not our way, God's way. I like what Joshua told the children of Israel as they, as they settled into their new home, the promised land. He says to them in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served, and serve the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Despite the circumstances, that's what Joshua is saying. Despite the pagan gods around us, despite the evil influences around us, despite the worldliness around us, we will serve the Lord. He's basically saying, I commit my family to the Lord. I want my family to turn out right. I want my family to honor God. I want my family to live a life that is pleasing to God. And that should be the the heart's cry of every parent here this morning. We commit to leading our children to the Lord. That's a commitment God is, is looking for us. That He expects from us. But not only is this a confirmation a clarification or a commitment. But fourthly, we are giving our children to God. This is claiming God's plan and promise for that child's life. We are claiming God's promises for this child's life. In our passage here, Isaac inherited God's blessings. He inherited God's protection. He inherited The promises because of his father, because of his dad's faithfulness, because of his dad's obedience. Abraham gave him back to God. Look at Genesis 22 in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, Your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Underline that, folks, if you have not already. Take a pen and underline that in your Bible. I will bless your offspring because you have obeyed my voice. I hope you start to see the weight of responsibility upon the parents. Isaac was blessed because of his father's obedience. Our children are blessed by your obedience, and they can also be cursed. Because of your disobedience. They can also be cursed because of your disobedience. God has these wonderful blessings for us. All we need to do is claim them in faith. Or face the consequences. Proverbs 22 verse 6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not Depart from it. 
This is exactly what transpired when Abraham took Isaac up Mount Moriah and laid him on the altar to give him to God. Now Abraham was confirming his love and fear of Jehovah. He was clarifying that Isaac really belonged to God. And Abraham was committing to God to be a godly parent. And Abraham was claiming God's plan and promises for for Isaac. Try and imagine yourself in Abraham's shoes for a moment. As he walked toward Mount Moriah with, with Isaac, Abraham must have felt confused and heartbroken beyond words, beyond expression. He didn't understand all that God was doing. He didn't know this act would foreshadow the sacrifice of God's only son. He didn't fully comprehend that. He didn't understand about God really providing a lamb. We do in hindsight. He didn't. He only knew that God knew what he was doing. And maybe God would raise his son from the dead. I'm sure he must have thought that. But he understood that God was holy. He understood that God is the covenant keeper, the one who keeps his promises. And he understood that God could be trusted. God would keep his promises, even if it appeared like the promise was going to die. Even if it appeared that his son was going to die. But God proved himself faithful to Abraham. God will prove himself faithful to you as well as you keep his word, as you are faithful to his promises. You know, for me, the key to parenting is perseverance. Perseverance. Persevering in the truth. Persevering even when it gets hard. Persevering even when the world around us tells you to give up. Even when the world around us tells us we are doing it wrong. Persevering even when our flesh fails us. Even when sometimes it doesn't make sense. Even when our children cry to us when they receive the, the punishment that is due. Just like Abraham, we are to trust God. We are to trust that His ways are better than our ways. That we don't know everything, but God does. And we are to trust His word, even when we don't understand. We are to trust His promises. As believing parents, we are called to intentionally raise our children to serve the Lord. And this means that we are to intentionally raise them to be saved. To be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Joshua, we do so in the context of this community of faith that the Lord has placed us in. And that's why the parents today will dedicate their children in the context of the local church. As members of the church, we have a covenantal obligation before God and to one another to raise our children to know Christ to love Christ, and to help each other. Parents, church members, we have wonderful promises from God, and yet we can only claim them by faith. And I hope you see that in the passage this morning. I hope you see Abraham's faith this morning. This faith is a gift of God. It's not something we we muster up on our own strength, in our own will, 
We need to be asking for grace. We need to be praying that we will act in faith on His promises. Speaking to parents, Charles Spurgeon once said, You are as much serving God in looking after your own children and training them up in God's fear and minding the house and making your household a church for God as you would be if you had been called to lead an army to battle for the Lord of hosts. I hope that encourages you, moms. <laughs> I hope that encourages you, dads. This is, a, this is an awesome task, and I say that word not lightly this morning. We have a wonderful responsibility as parents to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to looking after our children and to training our children in God's fear. This is a, a wonderful opportunity, but we need to be praying. We need to be on our knees. We need to be asking God for more faith by grace, claiming these promises to help us do this job responsibly and effectively. Let me finish with, with a quote from Casting Crowns, a group, a Christian group, and a song that they wrote called Courageous. Maybe you, maybe you know that song, but let me remind you of these words. I think this is a perfect way to finish our, our study this morning. We are to be courageous. And we're taking back the fight. We were made to be courageous. And it starts with us tonight. The only way we'll ever stand is on our knees with lifted hands. Make us courageous. Lord, make us courageous. That's what we're doing this morning. That's what the parents will be doing this morning in a short while. They are asking us to pray for them. They are asking the Lord for help to raise their children in the fear and nurture of the Lord. They are asking the Lord to help them to be courageous. They are not independent, but they are dependent on His grace. We would come alongside them and remind them of that as they publicly ask us for help to raise their children in the fear of the Lord. Let that be the prayer that we all pray this morning, that the Lord would make us faithfully courageous to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And let's pray as the, as the children come in. They will also witness the ceremony this morning. But let us pray that we will be faithful parents. We will be faithful to God's commands. We will be faithful in this stewardship of raising our children in the fear of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we echo the words of that song this morning. We understand, Lord, that we are not made to be cowards. We understand that. We are made to be courageous. We are made to faithfully claim your promises. We are made to faithfully rest on your promises. The only way we'll ever stand, Lord, is not in our own strength, but on our knees as we submit to your lordship over our lives. The only way we'll ever stand, Lord, is on 
is, is with a dependence upon you, with hands lifted high. So Lord, I pray this morning, even for all of us this morning that are struggling in our faith, that you will help us, Lord, to be courageous. Lord, that we would be faithfully fulfilling the roles which you've given us, all of us in this church, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we have children, whether we don't have children, that we'll be faithfully fulfilling the roles you've given to us, that we'll be faithfully living by faith, trusting you, Lord, not the world, that we would have an eternal perspective, not a temporary perspective, that we'll be pointing each other to Christ. We look forward to the day that you would return, Lord. But we pray that we would not be ashamed when you return. Lord, that we would have finished the work that you have given to us. That we would have been making disciples of Jesus Christ, not only in the church, but in our own homes, Lord Jesus. That we'd be faithfully making disciples of our own children and rearing them in the image of the Lord. That they would know about the Lord that they would understand about His faithfulness, that they would understand about His holiness, they would understand about His sacrifice given to us on the cross of Calvary, that they would understand mercy, that our children would understand grace, that our children would understand justice. And they would seek these things, Lord, because of the training that we have inculcated into their lives. So we pray this morning, Lord, that you would make our homes a sanctuary. A sanctuary, Lord, where our children will thrive. Where our children would love. And where our children would embrace Jesus Christ. So we're thankful for this morning, Lord, where we can see in front of us a ceremony of committed parents. Thankful, Lord, this morning that we could see in front of us, parents who are claiming God's promises. And may we encourage them in the task ahead. Lord, we love you and we want to do this not just for our own happiness, Lord, but we want to do this for your glory. We pray that you would be blessed this morning by our commitment, by these parents' commitment to live lives that are pleasing to you, to live lives that honor you. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen.